I wanted to let you know about a campaign I'm taking part in. It's called Two Pods a Day. That's hashtag the number two pods a day. It aims to introduce podcast listeners to two independent podcasts every day for 30 days. We hope to give visibility to some of the great indie podcasts that you probably haven't heard of. Two Pods a Day encourages you to listen more, listen independent. Find more shows like mine by following at Two Pods a Day on Twitter and Facebook, or just search the hashtag, the number two, Pods a Day. I know it's probably going to go horribly wrong, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode 38. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you as always to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Today our guest is Mixter Hyde, a true unicorn pegasus. Not literally, of course. Everyone knows unicorns can't talk. Decide for yourself, but by the time the show is over, you'll realize he's singular. Let's get started. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. Mixer Hyde, welcome to the Gravity Beard Podcast. Howdy, howdy, hey. So, here's the thing. I love to interview interesting people, and you definitely fit the bill. Uh, we, we have so much to get into, and we're going to get into all of it. You and I couldn't possibly be any more different. So, so for example, I'm straight, I'm white, I'm not at all aquatic, <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and I'm probably even a little boring. Uh, well, they don't so, seem boring to me, so... So, well, I appreciate you saying that. So, so with, with, that, with that as our foundation, we'll start here. Would you please indulge our audience and recreate the rant on your website about what happens when you go shopping? There, there's two interesting th- things about it. <laughs> One is that it seems to happen to you a lot. Whatever the experience was, it really made an impression on you because you wrote about an eight-page rant that runs right down the center of your website. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that I, I deal with those kinds of issues um, often enough, but my blog in particular... It tends to... I, I update it mostly when I am super angry about something, or when something has, like, really touched me. And usually it's on, um... Usually whatever that is is on Facebook. I'll take what I wrote and expand on it, and then it's a blog post. Elaborate just a little further, and okay. just kind of describe it a little bit the way that you did on your blog, if you can. Absolutely. So, for the first thing that bugged me about it was that not even, like, I'm a friendly person in general. I totally am the kind of person who would, on any other day, actually just point someone in the direction of where something is because I might actually know. Because it's a small town, I've lived here my whole life, I know where things are, but whatever. Um, But it was that, it was that he touched me, um, which is not, like, woo. I am a gentle human being, but I know a lot of people who aren't, and that kind of thing almost anywhere else might get someone punched in the face, but apparently it was worth it to make me feel like no matter where I am, I am not going to just be another shopper like that person. I'm going to be someone who has to be an employee. This is a thing that happens specifically with older white people like I don't get this from anyone else 
it is just older white people that do this to me. And what you're describing is is these older white customers are approaching you and, and actually, you know, grabbing you by the arm or whatever, assuming you work there and then asking you something that they need help with. Yep, that is exactly it. <laughs> okay, so the So a couple of things that were <clears throat> that are notable about this is one, you were really, really upset, at least the way you portrayed it in your in your blog. So so the emotions were really rare and right at the surface. The other thing was is that how many times it's happened. So just give us I, I know it wasn't a million times, but it was it was more than the average person would expect. Give us just a quick inventory of the number of times you've experienced this strange, unique phenomenon for yourself. So this specific kind of interaction happens not every time I go into a store. I'm trying to think how much now I go shopping. It's If I'm going into a store roughly maybe five times a week, like three times out of those five, something like that is going to happen. You are kidding me. Nope. I'm... So it does happen. So you're not exaggerating your blog. It really happens all the time. Yep. Yep, it does. That's incredible. Okay. So you've written some children's books. I have. I have indeed. Do, do any of these books tell the story of your retail shopping experiences? <laughs> they don't. They don't. I have told, um, I like I mentioned before, I'm a teacher, and when I um, teach, one of the classes I teach is a sort of like 45-minute breakdown of what race and racism is. And I teach that like to any grade, to all grades, in fact. Um, I just taught that a couple days ago to, to sixth graders, which is my favorite age group to work with. Um, but I will tell, like, I have stories that are age appropriate where they all can notice that something is off. And I then have to explain to them what is off about about that kind of interaction and what specifically went wrong and where it went wrong so that they don't make those mistakes so that if those mistakes are made when they are around they know how to address it all those things i understand you're a professional merman yes i am tell me about that all right so that is um so being a professional merman is different is different from person to person as to like what it means um for me what it means is i'm a children's entertainer um so for like children's birthday parties people will hire like um, i'm sure you've seen these kinds of things they'll hire like elsa when frozen was super big um they'll hire princesses and fairies even um and it's an extension of that i get hired basically because of my books um so all of the books feature uh, either very tiny mermen or very tiny mermaids and um they're centered around giving some sort of lesson, um, some sort of moral that they can, that the children can hear and take into their regular human lives. Um, but all it really is about, like being a professional merman overall, is turning what is just purely mythology and purely fantasy into, at least for a short amount of time, into a reality and making a small child smile when I do that. Is that a lucrative profession? Not in the slightest. Well, for Not for me, anyway. Um, for me, I... Well, because I'm a dude, I don't actually get as many gigs as, um, as a woman would, uh, just because mermaids are the thing that are... That, that's the mythology most people know of. 
they're the ones in all the movies and everything, so people will hire them much, well, I guess much easier and much faster than they would hire me, but that's fine. Um, it The costume itself costs a lot of money, so I guess realistically I haven't <laughs> I haven't actually made back the money that I've put into this, but that's, for me, that's fine, because a lot of it also is a hobby. It's an enjoyable thing that I get to do. The swimming aspect of it, um, there's nothing like it. It's, it's like flying, but in a completely different way than just regular swimming is like flying. I feel so much more connected to the water itself whenever I'm in the costume and just underwater swimming, even if they're, well, the only time that's a little difficult is when there's wildlife around because I, I don't like touching wildlife and if they get too close to me, I start to freak out a little bit. Um, that is a weird fear that stems from like that thing I heard one time, if you like touch a baby rabbit, it might get eaten by its parents and I like, don't want to accidentally kill something. It's just, that's a terrible thing. So, um, so I just try to stay away from like actual wildlife, but that feeling of being just sort of underwater and being able to move wherever I want as fast as I want, faster than a regular person even, just, it feels amazing. So how much does a professional merman costume cost? All right. Well, um, the one you that know, I, you know, if I was if I was planning on getting into it myself, gotcha. All right. Well, my recommendations for anyone who is planning on um, who's planning on you know trying and starting out is to get a fabric tail first, which costs sort of the baseline for those, um, depending on a person's size and height, is anywhere from ninety-five to one hundred and fifty, which is not that bad. Um, um, the next step up from there is a silicone tail, which is the kind that I have. Um, it's a silicone partial tail, which means it has fabric on the inside of it and a silicone layer over top of it that's sort of formed to be like scales. And when you touch it, it feels, it's textured and it feels like it feels more realistic and looks more realistic as well. But it is also heavier and costs way more that um, at its cheapest is 850, um, which is the one that I currently have. I'm sorry, I, th I think you just said that just the tail portion of the costume was $850. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's an incredible oh, investment. Oh, but that's not even the worst part of it. The next step up from the one that I have, that one costs, if I recall correctly, the last lowest price that I saw was 1,700. And the highest price version of that same kind was, I think, 4000 something. Can you get financing on a really expensive merman costume? I am sure someone has figured that out, <laughs> but I have not. Uh, so most of the places take payment plans, which is helpful, but <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a pretty serious investment, but... Um, for those who are serious about it, um, it it makes sense for them. You've either spent or considered spending a large amount of money on a merman costume. I just recently spent a lot of money on a mattress. <laughs> You're out writing children's books and wearing a merman costume. I'm contending with lower back pain. <laughs> I just want you to understand the contrast between our two worlds, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty, big, that's a pretty big difference. How many professional mermen do you think also publish children's books, or conversely, how many children's authors are also professional mermen? I'll answer the first part of that first. I am at this moment the only one at all in the as a professional merman i am the only professional merman specifically who is publishing children's books um however there are a bunch of professional mermaids that are publishing quite a few there are a lot of a lot of ladies in this community so uh there's a lot there's i guess there's a lot more opportunity there but um as far as dudes go i'm the first one well, that's kind of fun that you're the only person on the on this entire planet that's a merman and publishing children's books. Yeah, yeah, it's um. How it, many people can say that? Right. That was actually a specific move. Um, so I've been in the overall merman or merman, excuse me, the mer community as a whole um, since two thousand and four. Think yeah, two thousand four. Um, wow, so, you, so you're a merman veteran. Oh yeah. So I've been in the community since then. As a professional, it's only been since um, 2008. But there were people that started after me who were suddenly getting um, interviews all over the place. They were getting all this press, like the Huffington Post was calling people. And I was sitting there like, um, that's fun. I helped train you and there you go. Uh, that's that's great. And I was seeing all of them do all of these amazing things, and I was really happy for them, but I, I didn't know where I was going to fit in in the general scheme of like, okay, what is my specific lane going to be? And I had a friend give me some really, really good advice about it, which was to think about what values I had, what I, what skills I had, and what I was already doing outside of being a merman that might translate well into, um, into that sort of part of myself. And I've been writing for years, I mean, not publishing what I write, but I've been writing for years, so I thought that telling a story that actually involved one that actually involved mermen, because not many of them do, and also a story that involves mer people who are not white. Um, that is also a thing that is not super common at all, actually. Um, so I wanted to include those two uh, to sort of to have representation there for those children out there who don't who don't think that they could do this same thing. Um, I had, I've had a bunch of students who, when I told them that this is what I do, they couldn't handle, or not, not they couldn't handle, but they, they couldn't quite reconcile the fact that I was, um, that I was black and also a, and also a mer person. They couldn't, like, they hadn't seen that before, and it took, it was taken them by surprise, and these were little kids of color. And a lot of them, like, their faces would light up, they would be so happy, and they would ask me how I did it, and how, and, like, how it happened, as if they wanted to do it as well, and I just started telling them, like, it's, it's possible to do, like, it's, <laughs> I almost said, it. it's not that hard, I'm like, no, it, it's difficult, but any dream 
is difficult to attain. Like, any dream worth having is going to be difficult to attain, but if you want it, it's it's gonna take work, but the work itself tends to be fun when you have the goal in mind and you're headed in that direction. So I wanted to um, I wanted to sort of make books that that dealt with that as a as an issue. Tell me something that kind of gave you some inspiration towards what you're doing. I had an old friend. Uh, her name is Raina. She had written a book. Um, it, I think hers was one of the first in our community that had ever been written. She wrote that. I saw that happening, and I thought it was amazing. I I was so proud of her for being able to accomplish that. She did such a good job. It was so cool. Um, and then there was an event that I was hired to do. So the at this event, um, I was hired to be in the aquarium. It's the local history museum, and that was... I was in there... Um, it was sort of a scavenger hunt kind of thing, like the kids would have to go and try and find these things all across the museum. And they would come down into the li into, into the library, <laughs> into the aquarium, um, and I would, I would read them a story, um, and they would get to ask me questions about being a, a professional mer person and the fish that were in the tanks and everything. Um, but when I was trying to pick a story to read, um, there was uh, not really any actual good age-appropriate children's stories that were short and to the point um, about being... Uh, well, uh, not about being a merperson, but about, about mermaids. There just weren't. Um, nor were there any about merpeople of color, of which there are quite a few, it, which is insane to me. There's actually... So, one of the coolest um, deities anywhere in the world is an African goddess who literally is the goddess of the ocean and she is a mermaid and she's black so that that's an actual that's an actual goddess that is there that is worshipped by millions of people on this planet and yet we don't even have her reflected in children's books that was insane to me so I wanted to change that. I wanted to, I real, I wanted to change it. I didn't quite think that I could. I sat down one day, wrote just a quick story, figured it would, it would do for that time period, um, and then read it in front of a classroom full of full of uh, third graders, and they liked it. So <laughs> I then decided, okay, I'll illustrate this one and we'll see how it goes from there. And that was a few years ago, and now I'm on book three. Wow. it's uh, You just never know what's going to get you started and going in a certain direction. Right? It's wonderful. You've definitely found a very specific niche for yourself. Yes, I have. I, I feel very, very pleased with just how, with how all of this has, you know, played out in my life in general. Um, there is a point where uh, this was sort of at the end of college for me. I was looking around, about to graduate, and I'm like, I don't know what is about to happen. I don't actually know who I am. I don't know what this is. So I have to figure out all of that. And I gave myself a week to figure it out. And I wrote down all the things that were super important to me. Uh, being a merman was one of them. Um, inspiring children to do amazing things was another one. And 
I've made a lot happen before my 27th birthday. I feel good about it. <laughs> I, I think you've accomplished a tremendous amount, and uh, I applaud your individuality. Well, thank you. Okay, so the location on your Twitter page is middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm in. Does Perth. does that does that mean does that mean that you live in a small town in a rural area? Yes, I do. Yes, I okay. do. Okay, so question regarding that: mm-hmm. How does someone like yourself get along in an environment like that? Well, um, it's uh, I've, I'm born and raised here, so it's kind of it's easy for me because I I know where I am. I know my surroundings. I love my surroundings. Um, a lot of the people I grew up with are still here. Um, and I still get the chance to make new friends all the time because I, I don't know, I just get to do that, which is fun. Um, it's a, it's a tiny area, but it has a lot of heart to it. And I find that I can appreciate that now when I was in, when I was in high school, that was much harder. And that was when I realized that the internet is amazing. The internet is a wonderful tool to meet people from all around the world. Um, so that was how I was able to survive, survive that. Um, but uh, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a cute little, it's a cute little town. Um, I live in a town called Great Barrington, um, which is, it's a very touristy town. Um, we have a lot of second homeowners from New York City that live here that come up every summer or like the middle of winter sometimes the fall summer here is very pretty and there's a lot of theater stuff the theater is what brings people here usually there are a bunch of different theater festivals all over in the fall it's like the foliage because again middle of the woods it's just sort of how that works um and in the winter they come here for skiing and yeah, really just skiing and vacations and things like that. Yeah. So it sounds like quite the charming hamlet. It really is. It's adorable. Um, it's uh, It's got a lot of heart to it. It's very... There are characters here. It's very fun. Um, but it is still a small town. Everybody... Not everyone knows everyone necessarily, but um, a lot of people will figure out who you are if you make yourself... A unique person uh, who, well, lives his own life and doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really care a lot about what other people think about how I decide to live my life, uh, which is a little bit, a little bit of a challenge, but it's a challenge that's worth taking. So, switching gears just a little bit, mm-hmm. I understand that you also review podcasts on YouTube. I do, I do indeed. That is my newest venture um, in terms of things that I, things that I wanted to do because I listened to so many podcasts just already, um, and because I love podcasts, they're wonderful. They make my life so much better. <laughs> I love them. You're also a fan of stand-up comedy. Give me your favorite comedian. Um, oh dear. Ah, uh, Cameron Esposito is one of them and who is the other one? Oh god Jen Kirkman is the other one alright have you ever attempted stand up comedy yourself I haven't yet that's on my list of things to do this year really this year yeah this year okay please happen. keep me in the loop on that for sure absolutely I'm excited to try it I know it's probably going to go horribly wrong but I'm ready for it I'm ready bring it on world bring it on 
I, I absolutely love your attitude towards things. I really do. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. So in most of my interviews, I try to include what's called quick hits. Uh, that's where I'll ask you a series of questions and you can respond with just brief answers. Are you ready? Alrighty. What was your very first job? Working, I had two, and it was working as a ranch hand, and also working packaging tea in a tea company that was in a dude's house. I would not have pictured you as a ranch hand. Yeah, it made more sense. I was 13 at the time. It would have made more sense back then. Did you ever get in trouble in school? Uh, there was one week in seventh grade where I got into ten fights. It was seven days, like exactly seven days, and I got into ten fights in seven days. It was strange. I knew why it was happening. I had been being bullied up until that point, and I just sort of got sick of it and lashed out for a week, and then no one bullied me again for the remainder of my life, so... <laughs> worked. I mean, wasn't the best plan, but eh. It was, it was a calculated move, and it, it was successful fortunately. You know what? Good for you, because I experienced some of that in my school days, too, and so I'm very sensitive to that, so mm. uh, I think that's a cool story. Absolutely. Okay, if, if you could time travel, where and when would you go? Well, as a black person, that is a complicated question to answer. <laughs> but fair, fair point. Yeah, um, if I could go anywhere well if i could go anywhere and like subtract race as a thing from it i would say elizabethan england yeah elizabethan england i'm just trying to see how things were there though i don't know that i could deal with the smell so also possibly a future in which maybe there has been a zombie apocalypse and i have a lot of weapons just stored around somewhere yeah so i guess you know what? I'll go future on that. The future where there's been a zombie apocalypse, but I am well stocked with weapons and a little bit of food. All right, because at first I was confused and I thought you were you were combining zombie apocalypse with Elizabethan England. That would be amazing. Hey, you can answer whatever you want to the question. So if that's your answer, that's your answer. I, that is going to be my answer. And I someone needs to write that. I don't know why that has not yet been written. I would like to be in in wherever Pride and Prejudice and Zombies takes place. Um, I think I would do fairly well there. I I just feel like I would do well there. That's my favorite answer to that question so far that anybody's ever given. I'm so happy to have given an interesting answer on that one. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> I have a prepared answer for this. Um, so... If I could have a superpower, I'm sort of hoping there would be two of them. If not, it is it could be combined into one and I can sort of figure out how to make it work. So the superpowers, the two of them would be, okay. So it would be the ability to create force fields and then within those force fields, being able to manipulate matter. Um, so think uh, Jean Grey in the third X-Men movie. Um, where she was literally tearing things apart atom by atom, except you can also put things together atom by atom as well. You basically have full control of what is basically a small ecosystem that you have created inside of a bubble that you control. Well, at least your answer is not complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, a little bit of telekinesis involved in there as well, but uh, eh, 
it's like being able to move around the ball to wherever I need it to be, basically. If you had to live without one of your senses, which one would you choose? Ah, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> see, <laughs> I remember hearing this question and thinking, fuck, I don't know how to answer that one. Um, I could probably, you know what, actually, taste. And my reasoning behind taste is literally because I would eat healthier if I couldn't taste things. You know what? That's a really interesting answer. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything you want to promote? Um, I would like to promote my third children's book, which is called The Wave Dancer. Um, it can be found on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and I guess my YouTube channel, too. Um, definitely check out the podcast reviews that I do. Um, my YouTube channel is called Mixter Hyde. That is M-Y-X-T-E-R-H-Y-D-E. And I think on your behalf, I'd like to promote your website, MixterHyde.com, so that before you add another blog entry, they can read your, your retail shopping experiences. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forgot what the title of that one was. Um... But that one's going to be one that I pin to the front because it's kind of important. But um, I'm getting ready to post a few of them in the next couple days. Uh, I'm going to post a few a few that are sort of in the style of Dear White People. Um, except it's going to be towards more than just well-meaning white people. It's going to be towards a bunch of different people who have been making very silly mistakes lately. All right, so before you go, we've established that uh, Mixter Hyde is not the name on your birth certificate. No, it is not. Can I get you to reveal your true identity? Yes, the name on my birth certificate is J.V. Hampton Van Sant. Um, I will not, however, say what J.V. stands for, um, primarily because then people tend to call me that instead of J.V., which is what I want to be called. So J.V. Hampton Van Sant is my name. Uh, it's a nice long one looks real good on on the cover of a book (laughs) you know what that's a little bit aristocratic if you don't mind me saying (laughs) yeah thank you appreciate it (laughs) so so tell me what the origin of the name mixter hyde is the origin of the name came from the song by hailstorm called mrs hyde um i love that song it is one of my favorite songs and while i was creating the first version of this blog i was listening to that song and i decided that a lot like one of my favorite people in the world, Kid Fury, I needed to create another identity to sort of separate um, the part of me that is a children's entertainer um, from the part of me that is not at all a children's entertainer and who is um, an actual grown adult doing adult things. Um, so it came out of that. Um, that was Mr. Hyde back then uh, with Y's, because Y is one of my favorite letters. Um, And the mix comes from the sort of gender, um, the non-specific gender um, honorific, which is MX. All right. Well, man, I I think I think we've covered everything. And I just want to say, JV, thank you so much for coming on the Gravity Beard podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been super awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate you making time for us. Not a problem at all. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. If you draw a Venn diagram of the groups JV is a part of, it's fair to speculate that the overlapping portion is occupied by him and him alone. Like I said, a true unicorn Pegasus. And it was our pleasure to have him on the show. Best of luck to you, good sir. You're not going to believe what I encountered when I came into the office today. Our last remaining intern, middle-aged little person Lou, 
was sitting quietly at his computer doing research for the show. No unicycle, no flaming torches, not one other person with which he could form a human pyramid of any size. I asked him about it, and he just shrugged and continued working. He seemed a little down, I guess, but otherwise normal. I'm crossing my fingers there's no other surprises lurking around the corner. Hey, if you're a creator or a fan of independent podcasts, you should join the Underdog Podcast community. You can find the discussion group by searching that name on Facebook or on Twitter at Underdog Pods. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere else you consume podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Gravity Beard, and of course, we're on Facebook. We also have an email address. It's contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. And please stop by iTunes and subscribe to the show. Our theme song is Sophomore Makeout by Silent Partner. In the intro, we use the song By the Pool by Jingle Punks. Special thanks to John Kirsch, Ease Jammy Jams, Doug Maxwell from Media Rep Productions, John Dealey, Kevin McLeod, Audionautics, and Silent Partner, each for contributing music to this and previous episodes. And now we're treating you to Quitting Time by Patrick Lee, CC by NCSA 3.0. All of the music in this episode can be found on either the YouTube audio library or at freemusicarchive.org. Oh, one more thing. You should check out the song that JV mentioned earlier in the episode. It's called Ms. Hyde, M-Z space H-Y-D-E, by a band called Hailstorm. It will definitely clear your nasal passages. The fun continues next week on our second installment of This Week Today. Joining me this time is my friend and co-host of the Varmints podcast, Paul Shomo. Paul and I will tell you how to treat your allergies without killing yourself, along with tidbits from this week and years past, celebrity birthdays, and other standard fare. Then after that, if we can pull it together... We'll have a special episode, Greg, where we'll be celebrating our first anniversary of the show. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. And that kind of thing, almost anywhere else, might get someone punched in the face. As a professional merman, I'm the only professional merman, specifically, who is publishing children's books. The future, where there's been a zombie apocalypse, but I am well stocked with weapons and a little bit of food. Bring it on, world. Bring it on.